Hands up if you were born 1945 or before. <laughs> I am. I'll keep my hands up, please. One, two, three, four, five, six. Wow. Six folks, and well, myself makes seven. Wow. Seven who, except for the early years of the Queen, can honestly say that we've been there, seen it all, and got the t shirt <laughs> for the Queen's life. Yeah. Apart from those years where, as a teenager, she was there during the Second World War, we were the war babies. We were the ones who were born in the Second World War. Yeah. Now, back in those days, there wasn't any television. It was your newspapers, the radio, or your weekly journey to the Hippodrome or the Star to see the Pathé News, where that cockerel introduced the news for us. We were always a week behind on the news in the Hippodrome of the Star, but we got the news eventually. And we can remember this generation, we can remember when it was announced that Princess Elizabeth was engaged, and when she was married, there was almost no television even then. So again, we had to radio newspapers and the Pathy News and the Hippodrome of the Star. That was it. We saw it days later, what was happening. But then we came to that place where, again on the Pathy News, a couple of days later, we saw King George saying cheerio to his daughter and the Duke of Edinburgh as they headed out for a tour of some of the countries of the Commonwealth. I saw the pictures again this week, a very ill man dying with lung cancer. And a couple of days later he was dead. And it took Prince Philip to Gwyn and to say to Princess Elizabeth, your majesty, and she had become queen. And so they flew back, and my brother told me yesterday that where I thought that when the Queen had gone on holiday, she had taken those black coat and hat with her. My brother told me, no, there was a group waiting when the plane landed who took aboard the boarding coat and hat and what have you for the Queen. And we can remember see her coming down those stairs as the new Queen. And then came that coronation a year or so earlier, lay later. But it was it was tinged with something wonderful that happened three or four days earlier. When it wasn't a group of French or Italian or German climbers who'd got to the top of Mount Everest, it was someone from the Commonwealth. Edmund Hillary, later to become Sir Edmund Hillary, and Sherpa Tenzing. They were the ones, and when that news broke a couple of days before the coronation, boy, that added an extra edge to all those celebrations. And then the coronation, well, television was in at that time, and although the screens were no bigger than this here, <laughs> and rather grainy black and white, I had an uncle, Billy, who was the then equivalent of my brother, 
kind of into all things modern and technical. <laughs> Uncle Billy had a television set in his bedroom. And a whole load of chairs were put in that bedroom. Neighbours and all came round and we sat around looking at this tiny little screen watching the coronation in black and white. A question. If I was to ask you, what was the least read part of your Bible, what would you say? Least read? Leviticus. No. <laughs> Anybody else? Lamentations, well, is a good one, but no. Revelation. No. The least read part of your Bible is the preface to your Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee there's very few of you have read it right through. <laughs> but this one is extra special. Because it tells me that in all the pomp and circumstance in Westminster Abbey, amongst all the gold and pearls and silver brocade and ermine and coronets and crowns, among all of the high vestments of the Church of England, Scotland had 30 seconds. Out of all of that ceremony, Scotland had 30 seconds. My preface says this, this book is the most valuable that this world affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. With these words, the moderator of the Church of Scotland hands a Bible to the new monarch. In all of the open circumstance, Scotland had 30 seconds with this wow. being put in the hands wow. of the Queen. Wow. I wonder, I hope, it will be given to Charles as well. Amen. Yeah. But on from all that coronation and everything that went on over all these years, we rejoiced. Can you remember you, six or seven, rationing of your butter and your sugar <laughs> and your sweeties and the coal and the books with the wee tear-out bits that you had to give across the counter to get your rationing. These were pretty austere days back then. They were pretty austere days. And we thought that we'd never see another war. But it wasn't long before troops were heading off to Korea to fight in that war. And the Queen was there when that was going on. And down through all the years of the history of the past, and now some of you younger folks, ages, the things that were happening, and the Queen was there, right at the heart of it all. Every day getting that red box. I wonder if she ever thought of tearing up the pages inside it, you know. All the weighty business of state, every day a red box appearing that she had to deal with. And then that wonderful boat that was built, Britannia, now moored in Leith. Mm -hmm. Go and see it, see the wonder of that boat that took her hundreds of thousands of miles to over a hundred countries and they all wanted to be aboard it and get something done. Mm -hmm. They all wanted, whenever they came to Britain, these heads of state, they all wanted to 
be at Buckingham Palace. Ronald Reagan wanted more. Ronald Reagan wanted to be photographed and filmed riding on horseback through the grounds at Windsor with the Queen riding beside him. He wanted this big film about that. And then those holidays that she spent in Balmoral where the moderator of the Church of Scotland is allowed, given an invite to go up to Balmoral and spend time there. I remember after Ur Albert had been up, and I sat with him the week after all in his man's along there eh, in Erngarth Road, and he says, Lenny says, you know, I'm convinced more than ever after these three sessions I had speaking with the Queen that she's a lady of faith. She knows Jesus Christ as her Lord and Saviour. He says, I'm convinced of that. He says, and I'm convinced more that the office that she held came from God, convinced in her heart that the office came from God. And who can remember the Queen's place when that flotilla set out from down south towards the Falkland Islands. And now we were seeing it day by day on our television. The Queen was through that as well. And there in the Thanksgiving service for that. We know she had her ups and downs, terrible family problems, and all. She wasn't divorced from the things that come to you and I, but through it all, she bore it all in a wonderful, wonderful way. I don't know how many of you were watching your television before you came to church. We hung on as long as we could. We saw that little convoy come out of the gates of Balmoral Castle. We saw the hearse at the front draped in the Queen's Scottish flag colours, the Royal Flags of Scotland. We saw that big German hearse followed by the Rolls Royces and the big Range Rovers fronted by the police on their motorcycles heading out from Balmoral and down that six hour drive to Edinburgh. We could do it in two and a half hours. We could do it in two and a half hours from Aberdeen to Edinburgh. They're taking time that wherever that hearse goes, it slows down and people are given the opportunity to say cheerio. Well, us seven saw almost all of the rain, saw the ups and downs. Yeah. Thankful for the lady that served us yeah. with a willing heart. Mm -hmm. And now we turn to a man who at times has been laughed at for some of the things he said. But a man that, when I saw him take those oaths, mm -hmm. yeah. when I saw him take those oaths, mm -hmm. and did you notice? The 10 second bit to Scotland in the off, swearing of the loyalty of the Presbyterian Church in Scotland. It's all in there. God save the King. Save the King.